0: Hey guys, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers here at the Robertsdale Church of Christ. I just want to say thank you for checking out this message. And I'd like to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030 if you're ever in the Robertsdale area. If you want to find out more information about the Robertsdale Church, head over to our website at robertsdalechurch.com. All right, let's get to the message. I'm praying that God will use this message to bless you and will help you grow closer to Jesus Christ. Well, as Jonathan mentioned in the welcome, we're only eight days away from Christmas. So just show of hands, who's ready? Like who's excited about Christmas? All right. Some of you are Scrooges. Wow, I'm really disappointed. Uh, All right. Another question. Who still has some gifts to buy? Yeah, my hand's got to go up. Okay. Who's had all your gifts bought before Thanksgiving? Yeah, you're the overachievers. Yep, you're showing the rest of us up. We're glad you're here anyways. So I appreciate John reading uh, Isaiah 9, verse 6. We're going to read that again next week because that's the theme of this series of lessons that we've been going through from Isaiah 9 called He Shall Be Called because 700 years before Jesus was born, there were names that were given to him that are going to speak into the identity of who he is as the Messiah. And so we've taken... One of those names each week over the last couple of weeks. And this week, we get to the one name that's a little tricky to understand. Wonderful Counselor. We looked how Jesus knows the best for us and knows what we need to do. Last week, we talked about how he's the mighty God. He is God in the flesh, and he has all of the power of God in his body. Today, this theme, Everlasting Father, is a tricky one. Because is Isaiah saying that somehow God the Son God the Father? Is this something that is conflicting with the concept of the Trinity, with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit? Is it saying that Jesus is the Father? Well, no, that's not what it's saying. In fact, it's telling us more so his title, but his qualities or his characteristics. I love this line that one author pointed out. It said, it's not the Messiah's role within the Godhead that Isaiah's talking about, but it's his character toward us. It's a descriptive analogy pointing to his character. He is fatherly. He is father-like in his treatment of us. And that's really encouraging because this mighty warrior God that we talked about last week is tender. He's compassionate, he's not shrouded in steel and fiery flames, he's approachable, he's knowable, he's compassionate, and he treats us exactly as we need, and he invites us into himself. He's protective, he's present with us, and he invites us into his presence so that we can enjoy him. This morning, I want to look at a scene from the life of Jesus where I think this quality and characteristic of father of eternity really comes out in the life of Jesus and how he reacts in a pretty chaotic situation. There's this scene in Mark chapter 5 where there are people that have gathered around Jesus because anywhere Jesus went, people were just drawn to him. But there's this father named Jairus. He's a, a leader of a local synagogue that comes running up to him and he's frantic. He's he's really urgent because he's got a little girl and she's sick and she's dying. And he runs up to Jesus and he begs Jesus, please come back to my house. I need you to heal her. I need you to make her well. Jesus goes and they begin heading back to where Jairus and his family lives. But so does this massive crowd and everybody's following along. And you can just imagine, and how chaotic and how anxious Jairus feels. He just wants everybody to get out of the way. He needs Jesus to get to his house and to provide healing for his daughter. But everybody's pressing. And it's like being in emergency and trying to get to the hospital. But there's a traffic jam. And he's blowing his horn. He's doing everything that he can do to get people out of the way. But they won't listen. They just want to see Jesus. Well, in the midst of this crowd is a woman. She's not named. Told of her condition. For the last 12 years, she's been in chronic pain. She's been weak and she's been unclean because she's got an issue with bleeding. Now the Bible is really clear about what happens when someone has an active blood issue, especially for women. There were sections of scripture that dealt with that. And what it tells us is that for seven days after the bleeding stopped, You would be unclean. Anything that she touched, anything that she sat on would be unclean. What does that mean? Unclean means quarantine. It means isolation. Do you remember what that was like? It's lonely. It's depressing. But the problem with this woman is it's not for seven days afterward. It's been for the last 12 plus years because the problem hasn't stopped. Everybody in her house is considered unclean. Anything and anyone that she touches is considered unclean. When she goes out into public, if she has the courage enough to do so, she has to shout as she walks through a crowd, unclean, I'm unclean, to give everybody the opportunity to move out of the way. Because if they touch her, if they brush up against her, they will be unclean for the next seven days. And it will be completely disordering and frustrating to their life. And so the crowds would move, they would part like the Red Sea, and they would stare, and they would all judge her, wondering what had she done wrong to be punished by God like this. And it's not just that she's physically suffering, she's financially suffering, she's given everything that she has to find a cure. She's gone to every doctor, she's gone through every form of treatment that they can come up with. And it's left her broke. And it's not just that she didn't get any better. The treatments that they've done to her have made her worse. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked into medieval medical practices, but they're horrific. There was this one medical practice called bloodletting where they would drain a person of nearly half of their blood. In fact, this is actually what George Washington died from. There's another medical procedure that was called trepanation where they would drill holes into someone's head to release what they thought were evil spirits. There was another one called mercury pills, which is basically like taking poison. And it's only imaginable what this woman has suffered from the hands of these supposed doctors trying to make her better only to make her worse. And to leave her without any money and without any hope. But that's not the only way she suffered. She suffered physically. She suffered financially and emotionally, but she suffered spiritually Because she's unclean, she can't go to the temple. She can't worship at God's house. She can't offer sacrifices. She can't go there and pray. She's disconnected from people, and she's disconnected from God. And she's willing to do just about anything to find healing. And so word spread that Jesus is in town, and he's the miracle worker, And she's in need of one. And so she makes her way through the crowd. And you can only imagine that this time she doesn't shout unclean because she needs to get to Jesus. She has this thought, if I can just touch his clothes, then I might be healed. And so she hurriedly walks through the crowd and she sees Jesus and she wiggles through and she gets right up to him. And then her moment of truth finally comes. But if she touches Jesus, she knows that by touching him, he'll be unclean for seven days. It's one thing for your family to be unclean, it's one thing for a random stranger to be unclean, but now to cause a rabbi, an authority in the Jewish scripture, to be unclean, it's a major risk. She takes it, and she reaches out, and she grabs hold to his garment. And the Bible says, immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Can you imagine her relief? Instantly, she regained that feeling of feeling good. For over a decade, she had been weak and suffering, no energy, struggling to get by day after day. But now, in an instant, she felt whole. It's not just She felt better. She felt completely whole, like she did more than 12 years ago before the issue began. But then, Jesus stopped. And so does the crowd. And he speaks. He said, who touched my clothes? And you got to... And if you're one of the disciples and you're almost working security. You're trying to get Jesus through the crowd. You realize what's going on. Jairus is frantic. He's trying to clear the way. You're trying to keep people off of Jesus a little bit. But Jesus is a man of the people. And so they're pressing in and he's okay with it. And everybody's touching him. And then he says, wait a minute who touched my clothes? And they gotta be thinking, what do you mean who touched your clothes? Literally, every person that's in this crowd has probably laid hands on you and you're wondering who touched you? But then he responds, he says, someone touched me. He recognized that power went out from him into another individual and provided them healing. And in that moment, when the crowd is stopped and he's waiting on somebody to step up, This woman, who's unnamed, had been unnoticed, and was unclean, spoke up. She shared with him her story. She confessed what she did. She told him about the healing. Now, this could have gone one of two ways. This could go really good, or this could go really, really bad. Touching a rabbi making him ceremonially unclean, causing him to have to isolate for seven days. And every other person in that crowd that has brushed up against her, every person that she moved along the shoulder and says, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Every person that was standing around her making physical contact, every one of them for the next week is gonna be isolated and is gonna have a lifetime of hatred toward this woman. What Jesus says next is so powerful. In fact, I just want to focus right for a minute on the first word from Mark five thirty-four: Daughter. Just pause. Just let that sink in. I want you to place yourself in this woman's shoes. See life from her perspective. Because when Jesus looked at this woman... He didn't see her issue. He didn't see, he saw her struggle. He saw her pain. He saw her heartbreak. He saw the years of disappointment, the years of suffering. He saw her distant relationship with God. And he speaks to her. He doesn't call her by her name, he doesn't call her woman. And he doesn't call her unclean. He said, daughter. He says, daughter, because he's looking at her through the eyes of a father. Because that's the very quality that Isaiah said 700 years before Jesus would be born to this earth. The very quality he would possess. The quality, the characteristic, the love of a father. Psalm 103 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He didn't scold her, he encouraged her, and he reminded her of her standing before God himself. She was his daughter. John 1 in verse 3 tells us that, Everything was created through Jesus, who is the word of God, who is God in the flesh. It says all things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing that was created has been created. That included this woman, that included you, and that includes me. And so when Jesus looks at you and he looks at me, when Jesus looked at this woman, he saw his creation. He looked at her as a father looks at his child and he's filled with compassion The rest of Mark chapter 5 verse 34 says, Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. I just want to take this idea and give us one big idea this morning that I want to encourage you to spend some time this week thinking through and unpacking in your life. The son who came to save us cares for us with the perfect eternal affection of an everlasting father. There's this question that we're all asking. You've asked it at different parts of your life. Does Jesus Care? Does he care about me? It's a question you've asked. It's a question that I have asked. It's a question that every person that has walked this planet that has considered who Jesus is has asked. And the entire story of the Bible, there's story after story in the gospel accounts, are all answering this question yes. Does Jesus care when your heart is broken? Does Jesus care when you have a loved one who is sick and is not getting better? Does Jesus care when your marriage is struggling? Does Jesus care when you have a child that's not making good decisions does Jesus care for you there's this old hymn that I grew up singing and maybe you did too it asks that question does Jesus care and I love the refrain it says oh yes he cares I know he cares his heart is touched with my grief my days are weary and the long nights dreary I know my savior cares There's a commercial that came on during the Super Bowl. It's come on during primetime TV. It's a group of Christian leaders who are very affluent. They got together and decided they wanted to change the propaganda that's being pushed on TV. And there's been this series of ads. Maybe you've seen one of them. It's talking about Jesus. And it ends with the phrase, he gets us. And I love that because he does get us. He understands what we're going through. And he doesn't just get us, but he can for us. He experiences compassion when our hearts are broken. When we're struggling and we're suffering, he looks at us and he says, son, daughter, I love you and I care for you. And he loves us enough not to just make us better, but to make us new. And he didn't just heal this woman in Mark chapter 5 and make her better. He made her whole healing or she was healed of her affliction doesn't just mean that she had a fever and she got a little bit better. It didn't go from 102 and drop down to 100. She didn't just go from having some aches and pains to not having aches and pains. She was fully made whole. It's not just that the bleeding stopped, but that she was fully made whole. She was made perfect. Her body was restored back to the way that it was supposed to be, because when Jesus heals, he doesn't make better, he makes whole. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible describes anyone that is outside of a relationship with Jesus as dead in Christ, dead to this world, spiritually dead. It's why we don't need to be made better, because you don't make dead people better, you make new. You make dead people whole. And what Jesus is offering to us is not to make us better. It's not to discover this better version of ourselves because that version of you doesn't exist. Because if you're not in Christ, you are spiritually dead and you have the love of a heavenly father and of his son, Jesus, who gave his life for you, not so that you could be made better, but so that you could be made whole, so that you could experience true spiritual healing. The Bible describes this happening when we surrender our life to Jesus and when we go into the waters of baptism, and we're buried into that water a dead person, spiritually dead because of our sin, raised to walk in newness of life, raised to be made new. We've been given a new heart. We've been given a new mind. We now have the mind of Christ in the spirit of Christ dwelling in us. He promises not to make us better, but to make us new because he cares for us. He cares for us. And he also loves us dearly. He loves us so much that he was willing to give his life on the cross so that we could be brought into God's family. Over the last week or so, through some different events, it's, you know how God just reminds you of things. It's not that you forgot them. They were on your mind. It's just now they're at the forefront of your mind. And the thing for me has been the importance of family. Biological family, yes. Definitely biological family. And definitely spiritual family. And one of the gifts that we can receive in Christ Jesus is to be adopted into the family of God. Got some dear friends of ours that just recently went through an adoption process, brought home this little baby boy. It's beautiful. And they opened their home and opened their lives and said, We will raise this child as our own. And isn't that what God has done for us? We turned our back on him, we rebelled against him. But he's invited us back into his family because of Jesus. And as His children, we receive all of the blessings of being a child of the king, where God looks at you and God looks at me. And he says, "Son, daughter, welcome home." And he's added us into this family that we call the church. That's not an event on a calendar. It's not just something that happens at 10:30 on a Sunday, but it's a lifestyle. It's a family that we're invited into so that when we're weak, we have people lifting us up. When we're struggling and suffering, we have people that call, provide a meal, help financially when we're struggling, sit at the bedside, stay around the clock at the hospital, whatever is needed. That's what family does, amen? Amen. And that's what God invites us into. And so if you've just thought that church is just something you go to, you've missed the point of church. Church is family. Ephesians 1 says we have been adopted into the family of God in Christ Jesus. I love every one of you, and I want you to be a part of the family of God. If you've never surrendered your life to him, you're missing out on one of life's greatest blessings to be brought into the family that is bound together by blood, the most unifying blood, not biological blood, the blood of Jesus that brings us together from different places and experiences and backgrounds and situations in life to where we come together and we say, you're my brother, you're my sister, because we're all children of the King. In Mark chapter 5, after the woman experiences this healing, there's still a frantic father who I'm sure in some capacity in the very far back reaches of his mind is thankful that this woman found healing, but at the same time he's got a daughter that's on her deathbed. And as the crowd is going nuts over this woman being healed, there's still a father losing his mind for his baby girl. And about the time Jesus starts making his way back to following Jairus, somebody walks up with tears in their eyes delivers the crushing news I'm sorry Jairus she didn't make it I can only imagine he hits his knees He cries out it's broken I don't know what Jesus did in that moment I only know what he said but I can guarantee you this if Jairus was on the ground Jesus was there with him Jesus picked his head up. He said, Jairus, just believe. Just trust in me. And he does. He gets up. And they make their way back to the house. It's filled with people wailing and weeping. Broken over the loss of this little girl. And Jesus and Jairus and Jairus' wife walk into the little room where the little girl is laying. They ask everybody to leave. And he walks over to this lifeless body and he grabs hold of her hand. Don't miss that significance. He's already been touched by a woman that made him unclean. Now he's touched a dead body. Jesus is not concerned with being unclean. He's concerned with healing. And he speaks to her. He said, in the full power of the mighty God and of the love with the everlasting Father, little girl, I say to you, get up. Instantly, her eyes open. Life returns back to her body. She's restored. See, that's the promise that we have from serving King Jesus, who is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, who loves us with the love of an everlasting father and who is our prince of peace. You and I can have hope beyond the grave. You and I can one day experience that true resurrection where we will be in the presence of King Jesus for eternity. And we will stand before God our father and experience his love forever. So son, daughter, come back home. You have a father who's waiting for you. You have a savior who gave his life for you. Today, you can not only be healed, but you can be made new. If we can encourage you in any way, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, if you need the prayers of this church family, whatever we can do to encourage you, Let us know as together we stand and sing.